Downset Hike, it's time to talk about our feelings, panic attacks, depression, attachment theory, disassociation, both on and off the field. Wait, what? That's right. Real stories from athletes and comedians. Batter up. Let's make friends with the voices in our heads. You're listening to Sad Jocks. And now, here's your host, Katie. It's me, Katie Felber. I'm your host. Well, hello, folks. It's your girl, Kay Phelps, again. I hope everybody had an amazing week toggling around the internet. I actually only had one panic attack this week, which is great. And I think it's because I went too hard in a virtual Pilates class and didn't eat enough, but I'll get to that later. Today, on the subject of panic, take me out to the ball game. I'm talking all things anxiety with Connor Perry, an outfielder and power hitter for the Detroit Tigers organization. Now guys, this episode is near and dear to my heart because Connor's story was actually the impetus behind this podcast. After coming across an article I wrote for HuffPo about my experiences adjusting to Zoloft, Connor hit me up via Instagram earlier in the year. And long story short, we became virtual pen pals and realized that we had a lot more in common than we thought. Connor's new to the major leagues and as a 23-year-old kid fresh out of college, he found himself dealing with panic attacks for the first time in his life after a wrist injury last fall. The following is a conversation I have with Connor about anxiety, the stigma surrounding medication, and the many faces of unhealed trauma. And as a quick note, this podcast is definitely not a substitute for actual medical care, nor am I sponsored by any company, Zoloft included, although one can dream. And as a final note, I did indeed have some allergies when I recorded this, so pardon the sniffles and the poor audio, but it gets better about a couple minutes in. So stick with me. How are you? <laughs> Good, how are you doing? I'm doing well, I uh, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, you know, we first moved it back because I think you were riding a horse the other day, is that right? Yes, <laughs> I was riding a horse the other day. <laughs> Do you tend to these horses? Are they part of the family? Uh, no, so they're just family friends. Um, I One thing I like to do uh, is try to get my mind as far as away from baseball when I'm not playing it. So horse riding and outdoors and woods is something I like to do. So I met some people that uh, let us take care of their horses and ride their horses. So now it's become a huge hobby of ours. Oh. That's beautiful. You know, I'm going to circle back to that later in terms of self-care and tips on how to manage anxiety. But honestly, if I had access to a horse or a farm out here in L.A., I would certainly be out there riding. (laughs) They're a blast, that is for sure. I love that. I'd have to pop a bit of a Claritin, though, you know what I'm saying? I've got a little bit of allergies. So take us back in time. Like, what what made you reach out to me or, like, start Googling in the first place? Yeah, so I, I kind of just go with the whole thing. Um, you know, my whole college career, if you look at my journey, it was very up and down. And I never, like, you know, I got cut from my first college team, and I never experienced any sort of anxiety or anything. Or I never, I mean, I was down on myself, but the anxiety and the more so panic attacks never kicked in. So I'm not sure exactly where it came from, and I think that's why it caught me by such surprise, and I think that's why I went in such a panic. Because it was one of those things where, you know, I remember saying to myself, like, what could go wrong in my life? And uh, two weeks later, I'm getting surgery on my wrist. That's a potential career-ending injury. Um, You know, and luckily, you know, the surgeon did great and everything worked out. But during that time and thoughts and, you know, I just got to be a professional baseball player. And now, you know, it was just all up in the air. And so 
during that stage, stage of I know I have to get surgery, my wrist is hurting me, I can't play the game I love. I was having these weird moments where, you know, I just be sitting there and all of a sudden my heart starts going a little bit, then I feel off and then I start tricking myself out. And I had no idea what those were. So I kind of just went with it and I was like, that was weird. And then they'd pass. And as, you know, as it kept going, it kept getting worse and worse to the point where, you know, it was tough for me to go outside sometimes because I would just be so nervous that I would start having this mind combobulation, I guess you'd call it. And mm-hmm. I, like I said, I still didn't know what this was. So obviously anytime someone is in need of information ASAP, we all pick up our phones. So that's what I did. And I started figuring out this thing was called anxiety. And it made a lot of sense at the time because, you know, what everything I was going through with my injury and baseball and when you do something for a living, it's, you know, I, people probably think, oh, it's baseball, but this is my job. This is what someday I hope to bring uh, food on the table for my family by doing this sport. So uh, it was just a, it was just a mess. And I literally didn't know what it was. And so, yeah, so I was just reaching out to Google and um, I started figuring out what anxiety was and, and what a panic attack was. And, and like I said, I don't really didn't mind the anxiety part of it because I think that's what keeps people going. I think that's what makes you special. But the panic part was what I wanted to get rid of. Dude, no, I just want to pop in and just give you mad props for, first of all, just reaching out. That's literally the first step because I think as an athlete too, you know, like we try to just power through things sometimes and like I had a lot of panic attacks in high school and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go for a run or like I'm gonna do this or I'm just gonna hit the gym again and like sometimes the what they call the fight or flight response which is that surge of adrenaline that you get that leads to you know panic attack can sometimes help us especially if you're going ham on the field and you're driving towards the goal you're like hell yeah I will take that adrenaline but when you're just sitting there in your house or God forbid, like in your car driving, ooh, that takes me back. And then that feeling happens. You're like, okay, yeah. I don't need this right now. So how do I get exactly. control of it? But I remember just like in the moment, like it would not, so it would happen and I would laugh at myself saying like, why did I just get so worked up? But I remember like in the moment of a panic attack, it was, I mean, it was scary. Like I, and like you said, so the biggest reason I found your 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 journal was because I as like you said, as an athlete, I'm very mentally tough, right? That's all we preach is mental toughness, not mental toughness. And it was it was a huge vulnerability of I would if I would wanna go pursue and try to fix this on something other than just breaking through with your mind. So and that's what I had to do. So I that's I was just Googling athletes with anxiety, athletes with anxiety, and the more I Googled and researched, the more people I found and everything and then that's how I stumbled upon your article. I'll be honest with you, I, I was I am so anti medicine and anti anything in my body to the point where I have headaches, I don't even take Advil. Um but it was to the point where I literally I would have people over my house and I just I was in such a dark place. And mm-hmm. at the time I had no idea and at the time I felt very helpless and at the time you just feel like you're in a bubble that, that won't pop. Sometimes yeah. you'll get a little air, but it won't pop completely and it'll seal back up. Totally. You know I mean? It's it's really wild because I, I'm i like that too. I mean, this article was written five years ago now. It was written in 2015, but I had been going through that type of panic for about, I don't know, 10 years off and on. And like, it's crazy to see how long I just 
lasted um, because I was like you. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do yoga. Like, in fact, I was scared to put the actual half of a 25 milligram pill, which is 12.5, in my mouth. What it is, I think a lot of people who are prone to anxiety are super sensitive and very hypervigilant and aware of their bodies and what goes into yeah. them. You know, it's not like, hey, you take a pill and it immediately solves your problems. But after doing so much research, it definitely became clear that that was one of the little mixtures in the cocktail that can really help on your journey to mental health. Um, And so I think like it's so important to change the conversation around um, pharmaceutical drugs because like I said in my article, it is a man-made thing, but hey, guess what? We're living in 2020 in really overstimulated times. And if you find yourself, like you said, like in a hole and underwater, and you find yourself just not being able to live life, then you take a look at it and you're like, you know what, maybe I need a little bit of outside help. It's helped me so much to basically calm the uh, physical response so that then I can take time and delve in through therapy and like through mindfulness and spirituality to actually sit with my thoughts. Because before I was basically just like batting away all of the thoughts and just kind of addressing the symptoms but when you when you let your body relax for a little you're like okay what's underneath all of this why am i actually freaking out and then you can kind of sit with it in like a safe way and that was like the hardest thing to understand is what you just said because when i was going through this and i'm doing all that research and everything you know i have people saying work on your breathing work on this and i was looking for an instant fix and yeah. there, there's, I hate to say this, but there's not an instant fix, but there's an instant bandaid, but the bandaid's going to come off and you got to keep putting the bandaid on until yeah. it cuts completely clear. Totally. No, I mean, it, it's a hundred percent true. It's like, we are go, go, go again as athletes. It's like, okay, what can I do to like, get me back on the field immediately? Mm. But it's like, you keep addressing that symptom. You keep putting the ankle tape over it. It keeps peeling off and you're like okay, I kind of just need to like get into what's going on. So speaking of that, like, let's go back a little deeper. So you basically in the fall had this wrist injury. Is that also when you were dealing with the cut from the college team? Like, when did you actually? No, so, yeah. I got cut like four or five years ago. And what I was trying to say by that is I never had, like, when I was sad in life or when when I, I got bad news, I never had the panic reaction. So yeah. that's where I think it caught me off. And I think that's where I was so confused on like, how does this just pop up all of a sudden? You know what I mean? Right. Um, but being said that, I think when I started hitting again, right, doing my sport and I couldn't do it anymore, that's mm-hmm. when I started really freaking out in my mind. Like I caught, you know, you, you, whatever you do for a living, you think about it 24-7, whether you like it or not. You know, whether it be, you're behind a desk, you're cutting lawn, whatever it is. You're constantly thinking in how, especially high energy people, you're constantly thinking how you can do better. How can you fix this, right? So when I'm swinging and hitting, I'm constantly trying to like, oh my God, I can't do this. Oh my God, I can't do this. And that's where like going through all this made me realize that your mind is just a a form of habits, right? I was so mentally stable, I guess you could say. And then when I started slipping off the deep end with my wrist injury, then I started not doing anything. I started sitting on my couch and kind of feeling bad for myself. I started to create this habit in my mind that kind of suffocated me. And that's where I think all this came from. And through this whole process, you learn so much about the mind. And that's where, you know, meditation and I became an ambassador of the Calm app. And that's, you know, yeah, that was something that 
meditation I thought was the biggest joke ever and I laughed at people that I would see meditating and then I found myself every morning or every night meditating finding that's my like way of getting away from the world and just you know what I mean and there's just something to be said about all that there is something to be said and you know what like you touched upon it um it's something called neuroplasticity and that is essentially the brain's ability to sort of rebuild itself and it can go both ways you know I built it in the negative way unfortunately and if you have a lot of trauma in your life you really do start to like develop these negative feedback loops and it it's really hard to get yourself out of it and and that's also what i look at zoloft or whatever your drug of choice is i'm not an ambassador for zoloft although i will say like it definitely saved my life you you look at that as something to help get you out of that negative feedback loop and then start rebuilding in the positive way because the yeah. brain is malleable the brain is capable of so much and you just have to really discipline it like an athlete you go out and train you go to the gym you work your body you also kind of like can do that with your mind but i think the most important thing is removing this stigma of like okay you're weak for doing this because if you look at the long-term goals i mean you're in the major leagues now which i want to get back to also it's like you have a goal and when you have a goal it's like what are you going to do to get yourself there you're not going to keep repeating the same things yeah no and that was just it i mean that's where it came to like okay i have a once in a lifetime opportunity ahead of me and i found myself going through the rehab you know like i remember jeez i remember going from my first rehab in the doctor's office and i had the worst panic attack for no reason like i'm just absolutely sweating profusely sweating and this guy is just asking me like am i all right i'm like yeah like just let it pass you know and and but that's where it's like okay this is cutting in to my ability of playing this game. So I can't let this happen. Totally, dude. I mean, it's wild. So wait, question for you. So you're in the major leagues. When did that happen? That was this past year. So I'm in perfect. So I play for the Detroit Tigers um, and you work your way up to the biggest stage, right? So I'm in the process of working my way up to try to get to the biggest stage. So that happened about a year and a half ago today. And I remember I would only get panic attacks when I would drink alcohol, which is really weird. The bottom line is the more you pay attention to this, the more it's going to haunt you. You know what I mean? So that's why I think it was the biggest aspect for me to get away from this and the biggest cure for that was, don't get me wrong, I'm getting help. But at the same time, I'm constantly keeping busy. And I kind of look at it like I'm a big, you know, I love God and all that stuff. So I kind of just correlate the devil to anxiety. And it's like, okay, here comes like the quote unquote devil. Am I going to pay attention to that? Or am I going to trust that it's just, cause it's so every, like I hate saying this, but anxiety is so fake. Yes, dude. It's crazy because it feels very real. It creates physical symptoms, like literally heart racing, sweating, feeling dizzy, a sense of depersonalization from the world. But it's like, yes, it is fake in the sense that like, there's not an actual immediate threat, but your body is responding as if there is a literal lion that you need to fight. And so it's a very confusing because you don't want to give attention to that quote unquote negative devil, whatever. And I sometimes see it as that too. You know, that actually helped me a lot is naming it and like giving it a sense of like, all right, here's this little fucker coming in again, trying to trying to mess with like like no I don't need you right now like I'm sorry and it's funny because it's like this monster whatever you want to call it it's really it it is 
it does have good intentions because it's trying to protect you, but it ends up yeah. just throwing you off balance. I mean, the reason why you have these feelings of like fight or flight is because the body was in this trauma, this past state of trauma, and it's feeling a similar trigger and it's queuing yeah. up your whole response system to be like, all right, I'm ready to fight. But you, but I think naming it and being like, okay, I see it coming, that's fine. Not fighting it immediately because the more you fight it, ironically, <laughs> the more it actually causes the panic. Okay, so basically I wanna break this down even more for all of our anxiety and depression heads out there. Um, so depersonalization, all right. First of all, you know what? I just wanna like say that you're going through so much and the fact that like, Usually when anxiety pops up, it really is a symptom of like repressed things that you're holding on to. I mean, you just made that jump to the major leagues and you're so young, you're 23, you know, you're ha you're carrying all of this. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but you just brought a really thought to mind and I, I need to say it or I'll forget. But that's the thing, like I, so this all came upon me so quick and when we, and I, I'm no doctor and like I'm, but just from my experience with this, this made this anxiety made me feel upset because I felt like I wasn't normal again. Where this is where I think you know listeners of this would say like, they I think a lot of people could say, well, I never was the you know quote unquote depressed. I think all that is is the connectivity of it, right? Like if me and you were talking and we and we automatically both realize we both like hot dogs, we're gonna freak out. She's like, oh my god, what a coincidence, right? right? So when I was going through this whole situation. You know, I would talk more about anxiety and all this, and I was reaching, oh my gosh, so many people are dealing with it, but no one wants to say it, right? So I think, and I remember it was in the locker room, and I mentioned it to a bunch of guys, and a bunch, and there, there's people that never deal with this in their entire life, and God bless them, but that's just, you know, that's just different people. And you guys are like, I never dealt with this, blah, 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 I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's yeah. what I did. So anyways... 20 minutes later, I got seven texts from seven different players when I came in. Like, you care if we talk about this? I actually am going through this right now, and I need some help. This is where people can, um, you know, bring this awareness to it and be like, okay, look, don't be scared or don't be embarrassed that this happened to you because, yeah. honestly, it's so beatable, and then once you beat it, you can help so many people out. You know what I mean? Like, I find myself helping so many people now because yeah. I face this thing head on, like, head on to the point I almost lost my head during it, but I faced it head on. Straight and, uh, up. Anyone who's had a panic attack, even one, and come out alive, I mean, which by the way, you do come out alive. You don't die from it, even though it does feel like you're literally dying. Um, and that's one thing I think you should emphasize on real quick, because a lot of it was, okay, what's gonna happen to me? This isn't good. And I okay. never, I never had something bad to me happen because of it. Correct. That's where people have to realize like, and that's where I kind of struggle even to this day is because when I get really hot or I get really exhausted, like, yeah. oh, God, oh, God. And I feel – because I've passed out before, too, when I was younger. Um, the, right. Just I think the one time I didn't eat anything during the day and I deserted my body. Right. And so when I feel those certain ways, I – when you when you're – I feel like when your body is having anxiety, it's like you're – it's like a level of your body, right? So if your anxiety is high, right, anything you do, it's going to trigger anxiety, right? But if you learn how to – control the anxiety and, and get it down and, and conquer it. One thing about like curing it and stuff, one thing I've been doing a lot and it's been helping me a lot is, and, and this has helped me in the past is I, it's, it's kind of funny. I put myself in controlled, very uncomfortable situations. 
All right, so what that means is like, I would trying to think of things. I I would go in the shower and put on freezing water, right, and absolutely start freezing, make my body miserable. Because the, the way I look at it is if I, I want to play at the highest level of baseball, I got to go on a field with 40, 60, 100,000 yeah. people, right? And be yeah. comfortable. So I need to learn how to be uncomfortable, comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would, you know, I would do, you know, I had my worst first ever panic attack at night, right? So the night triggered mm-hmm. it all the time. So what did I do is um, I knew mm-hmm. my family was everyone who's here and I went outside in the middle of the woods, nowhere, and I just sat there. And I just yeah. proved in my mind, look, I'm good. Nothing's going to happen. You know, and I think that's critical too. It's like every yeah. time you get anxiety about doing something, you got to go do it. Immediately go do it. Yeah, that's called controlled exposure therapy. And you're really like ahead of the curve on that one. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in danger. But it's like I think if you can find these like little situations where you create a feeling of discomfort and you can kind of sit in yeah. that. That's the whole thing, because anxiety is the avoidance of suffering. It's not actual suffering, it's the anxiety around what is it gonna feel like, what is gonna happen, and basically it's just not living in the present moment. As soon as you can start journaling and noting down your different triggers, I think that's incredibly important, because I think like for me at least, I had this fear of fainting, but then I associated it with different situations. Like you were saying, you had your first panic attack in the night, and then all of a sudden you're afraid of the night. So it's like, I, mine just freaking snowballed. It was crazy. I I was in like eighth grade and I was playing softball too. I would get panic attacks going up to bat. I played center field. I would be like spiraling, like thinking about the universe and like the moon and everything and be like, oh fuck, like what's happening? Yeah, but like after that, I would just apply the fear of fainting to any situation in which I couldn't get out of. So for example, I live in LA, I'm driving on the freeway, I'm in traffic, I'm in the far left lane. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I couldn't drive in, dude, I couldn't go over bridges or tunnels or drive in the far left lane for a good four years. Like, you know, you start to realize like, okay, when you get to that point, this is really interfering from the way that you would normally live your life. So when it gets to that point, that's when you start rebuilding. I think during this whole process too, I think it's very important that you find someone that you can trust and you don't feel vulnerable in front of because, you know, a lot of that was you and I had a buddy that anytime I start getting, it's almost like a horse, you know, I'm already tied to a horse since I've been around him. But when a horse gets spooked, right, it could be in the most comfortable situation, but if that horse gets spooked, he is going to go nuts until he feels comfortable again, right? So I think that's like kind of like a person. It's like I'll be sitting there and, you know, mm-hmm. way back when, I'd be sitting there and I'd just, and all of a sudden, boom, bang, like going nuts. But as soon as I find that comfortability again, I'm fine. So I think it's important to find someone that you can like, hey, call. Hey, look, right now I'm freaking out. And they're going to be like, dude, why are you freaking out? And I'm just laugh at you to the point where like, yeah, why am I freaking? This is all good. Every yeah. storm's going to pass, you know what I mean? So... You just yeah. waited out. But one thing I realized, so I remember having, I was driving at night and I yeah. started like freaking out, you know, the normal. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And it started pouring down rain to the point I couldn't see in front of me. But that actually helped me because I remember, I'm like, oh my God. And I focused so hard on driving in the rain that the panic part just completely went away. And these past three months been probably the, I mean, God, best three months for a while, right? And these past three months, I've been constantly keeping busy, constantly keeping outside. And, like, my thing was, if I don't eat, am I going to pass out? So, all like, you gave me this advice, remember? Like, I always have this blue water bottle with me and nuts, you know? So, it's like... That so it's brings like, me such joy. Bring your snacks, bring your Gatorade, bring your water yeah, with you. exactly.
And that and that was key. Because it's all about, like you said, it's all about um, having that comfortability with your mind. You know what I mean? And that's another control thing I did was I one day I didn't eat for as long as I could. But I had my water and snacks right in front of me, but I didn't eat. And I did like workouts and stuff. And I took my body to an overextent with no food and nothing happened. Like, okay, so if this, if I get stuck in a situation and this happens, I'm good. It's fine. You know what I mean? So it's just those controlled, uncomfortable environments. Absolutely. Like knowing that I have a cliff bar in my backpack uh, brings me yeah. such peace. And that's, I like that word you just said too. It's like the ability to overcome this thing is the ability to consistently bring your mind peace when it, because mm. peace is the key to everything. So yeah. that's where it's like, how, and everyone's different. I think it's how can you bring your body peace consistently? 100%. I mean, that's the thing. And it's tough though, because I, I look back five years ago when I was at my lowest point and anxiety and depression are very um, much so intertwined and it affects the serotonin levels. And sometimes, I mean, I had an eye twitch for six months, uh, which is just evidence of like my adrenals basically freaking out. And so I had... I was dealing with so much um, panic in the body that it then turned into this uh, depression and this like existential dread, like when you wake up. And so I think like if you find yourself in that place, that's when you need a little help from your friends. And I think it was cool too, like the whole Kevin Love thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really helped me out a lot. Cause growing up, like I said, it was like, like I feel like the the quote unquote mental health is yeah. like, I don't, I don't know why. I just don't feel like it's the right words. Cause when I think of mental problem, yeah. I'm like, okay, that person has like a severe issue. But then right. like I was going through like this tough time and like well and it was considered mental health and I was like, wait a second, like I'm completely fine, right? Yeah. I just keep freaking out sometimes for no reason. <laughs> I need to figure out why. And so that's where it's like you gotta you gotta do your research and I think the biggest keys for someone that's going through right now is find yeah. someone that went through it and just I mean, let them be yeah. You know, cause I, I kid you not the amount of times where you, you like, I remember one time I was at the restaurant and I was like, and I, like, I was, I'm pretty sure I was with a girl, like out to dinner and I started like going nuts and I was like, and I texted him like, yo, and, and like, I don't know, it's just like, and then you laugh. No, totally. I mean, once you really like work with it, um, you start to realize like, all right, like I'm actually in control. And when I say I, it's my higher self, Katie, it's your higher self, yeah. Connor. It's not your ego. Yeah. That's a huge, yeah. Yeah. Because that little voice inside the back of your head, it's, it's like, that's the guy that's like, okay, like, here it comes. Where it's like, no, my conscious, or I don't know the right term, but the voice I'm speaking with right now that you hear is going to tell what that is going to control. Because I'm in control of myself, not my subconscious or whatever. Yes, King. That's what's up. It's tapping into your higher self and not letting your lizard animal brain rule because that's where anxiety comes from. It comes from a very caveman-like response to the world. But you can be like, hey, like I'm actually above it. I see what's going on and uh, I don't actually need um, this ability right now. That's why, I like, that's why I like meditation a lot too because I feel like it helped me tap into that like subconscious, I guess. And I could be completely wrong, but like this is just what helped me. Because when I was dealing with this, my out, no one knew when I was going through this because I didn't show it. But that's what would kill me more is because like I'd be talking and I'd be like looking someone in the eyes talking to someone and I don't even know what I'm saying or what because I remember I was Uber driving for a while and I remember like a couple times I had it and I don't even know how I drove or talked because my mind was this and I remember my my buddy like that would help me out to this he my he was like I would ask him things over and over and he's like dude your memory sucks like 
But and mm-hmm. I like believed them, but then I realized no, my memory didn't suck. It was just my mind was in such a different spot. When I would, I'd be like, what's, what's for dinner tonight? And like, while I'm asking that, my mind is just like, okay, don't freak out, don't freak out. So he would tell me and I wouldn't even hear what he said. Yes, dude. I really relate to that criticism of like, dude, you have a bad memory or like whatever, because I played flag football, um, like all my twenties, you know, there was, and also when I played D1 lacrosse, like it would always be this thing like Felber, like you're such a hippie, like Felber, are you high right now? It's like. No, I'm not high. Actually, I have a really complex inner world and I'm thinking about my layers of anxiety and how to like somatically heal myself. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just think at the end of the day, it's, I mean, as an athlete, you train so hard for my body, right? I train so hard, my biceps, hamstrings, quads, abs, whatever yeah. it is. And at the end of the day, I don't think your mind's any different. So I mm-hmm. want an athlete to go out there and train everything but their hamstrings for a good long time. Everything but hamstrings. Well, it's going to be weird when your hamstring t- tears, right? Because it can't keep up. And that's exactly what I think I put myself through unknowingly that that was going to happen. Is I trained everything but my mind. And at the level I'm at with baseball, at the distractions, temptations, favors. Mm-hmm. But I would train everything but my mind. And eventually my mind just said to me, like, hey, man, I can't keep up. Like, you got to help me out. So, you know, in my training now, I train my mind. Yeah, the mind-body connection is huge. I want to talk about depersonalization. Um, So depersonalization is basically uh, a coping mechanism for unhealed trauma. Um, In psychiatry, depersonalization is basically a thought. It's a state in which one's thoughts or feelings seem unreal or not belonging to the self, or a state in which you momentarily lose a sense of identity. Woo! That is heavy. I want to talk about this because growing up, I would always kind of basically say things like, I feel like an alien, or I feel disconnected from my body, or I would look in the mirror and be like, is that even me? <laughs> like, like weird stuff like that. And I realized um, after just doing more research, is that it's it's derealization. It's a mechanism to help process trauma. Like if I felt like I was going crazy on some level, my psyche was just trying to protect itself um, because the trauma or whatever I had been dealing with at the time was too much to handle and too much to yeah. take in. And that's what, so you can kind of thank yourself. You're like, okay, thank you for protecting me, but like bring me back to earth. And so yeah. that is a thing too. If you feel like an alien, you know, First of all, greetings. Uh, I'm an alien as well. <laughs> and, you know, you're not. You're a human, but you also have a lot of stuff going on under the surface. Is this something that you've um, started to come to terms with? Or Yeah, I mean, I think depersonalization. There's two, there, my two things that happened to me when I would when go through this was my body temperature was always off. Like, I was very cold all the time. Like, and, and it was cold outside, so it was even, like, worse. And then, yeah, like, the depersonalization was that. That was just, like, uh, my mind. Mm-hmm. The way I look at it is my mind was just such a different place. Like, I forgot what the present moment looked like. And like I said, I, I continuously created that thought, that habit in my mind, and I'd give attention to it. If you continuously work on your biceps the wrong way, you're going to hurt them, right? But if you continually work on your biceps the right way, they're going to be the way you want them to look, right? So, you know... With depersonalization and all that stuff, when that stuff happened to me, I gave so much attention and awareness to it because I thought that was going to help it, where it just yeah. killed me. 
mentally. I think a lot too was there was a lot of things that would trigger my trigger points. Like I would be so nervous about stupid things, right? Mm -hmm. To the point where, you know, like the big thing I had was I would get really nervous going to restaurants, right? And like unknowingly with coronavirus, what are you not allowed to do? Going to restaurants, right? And so I haven't done that in so long and got so away from it that the other day I went inside one and I was like, wait a second, I'm totally chilling. So like, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like if something's bothering you so much when this present moment, just, I don't want to say avoid it, but don't just, don't give it attention for a little bit and see how that works. You know what I mean? Cause like, I just, I totally forgot about it. And then, and then out there I was like, okay, wait, I'm like totally fine. Completely. I mean, I think like, like you said earlier, um, doing controlled exposure therapy is good, but focusing and obsessing about something not so good. So yeah, that's very interesting. Dude, temperature, that was a thing at my height of anxiety. Like I ran hot and I think that is something too, like anxiety can throw things off in a weird way. And then I would focus on that all the time and try to find little triggers in that and be like, okay, like I'm really hot right now in this room. Like what's gonna happen? Um, but I will say after one week of being on 12.5 milligrams, I didn't have that anymore. It's something to do with like the, dude, I would love any doctor to hit me up, uh, after this episode and tell me what's going on with like the internal body temperature, uh, because it dropped and I started to feel way more grounded less hot like my skin was less hot do you think that happened because your body was finally relaxing because you had a confident thing that you was knowingly that was helping you so because i think that was it for me like i went so i went from pittsburgh to florida with my family for about a week before i went to uh, spring training and i was with my Mm -hmm. family and my temperature was gone and i think a lot of that because i was finally just comfortable right so that's Mm -hmm. where i just kind of relate that back to the gym with the bicep thing like if you go nonstop with your bicep, it's gonna feel a certain way, and you don't give any breaks. But if you let it rest for a while, it's finally gonna come at peace, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if the temperature thing was me, my body was just so. Con- I kid you not, for about what two months, you know, I was so, my body was so off, like it was the most insane thing ever. Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk now for our viewers. Let's just start to wrap this up in terms of if you're listening, let's talk about tips and coping mechanisms and maybe some next steps. It's funny because this is something I'll end on. Um, so there is a um, uh, Navy Marine I met, or Navy Marine, Marine guy, uh, whatever the proper name is for that. Um, so there's a, a Marine I met, and obviously those guys are very help, high respected, very talented with the mind. Mm-hmm. And... We're lifting together, and we were doing farmer's carries to the point where I thought I was going to lose my hand. And this has nothing to do with anxiety, but he's like, hey, listen, when shit gets hard, start doing times tables in your head. Because that will get your mind off what's that task, you know, and, and keep going, and you'll finish it. And I was like, yeah. dude, I could use that anytime someone struggles with anxiety. It's like, okay, let's say you're freaking out right now. What's 64 times 85? Hurry up, do it quick. Hurry up, do it. And your mind completely leaves what's in your head, and like, oh, I've got a task at hand. And that kind of relates back when I was driving and it was raining. It was started pouring so bad I could not think about anything else or I was going to wreck because I needed to focus on the road and I was completely fine. So I think at the end of the day, it's a cat and mouse game. Um, I, and, and I know it's so easy for me to say right now because 
when I was in the exact moment of when it was going on, I never thought it was going to end. I never thought I was going to be the same. I thought I, I thought my life was changing for permanently good. And that's not true. You're not going to die. You're completely fine. And I remember like listening to podcasts like this. And when we, we get to this point of the podcast, I'd start smiling. Cause like, okay. Cause it's so gone. Cause you're like, all right, I'm good. But then 10 minutes later, I'm in giant Eagle or that's a shopping near us. And I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. You know? So I just think it's just such a cat, cat and mouse game and you got to find your ticks to when things spark up, what can you do to overcome it? Don't label yourself as it, you know? So you have two options. You can let this haunt you the rest of your life or you can just keep chugging and know that life and God will take care of it as you go on and you'll overcome it eventually. And that's what like helped me a lot. You know what I mean? I love, it's beautiful because it's like I said in the article, you know, when you say like, life and god or the universe will take care of you guess what he created zoloft and all this too i mean you're on 50 milligrams right now you might not be on that forever but it's helped tremendously over the past six months to get you over that hump and there's no shame i mean the bottom line is if, if i'm a millionaire in 10 years playing the sport i love and i say yeah you know what for a three-month time i had this yeah i mean when, when somebody's a when a knee injury right like, I know this is a little different because it's not going in your body, but you wear a knee brace for a couple months to get you back on track. So the way I look at it is, you know, this it is what it is. Like, I've done it. You know what I mean? I've taken it, whatever. And did it haunt my body? Did it change my body? No. Now, did it help me? Yes. But I'm saying, but did it, uh, did it uh, affect me physically? Physically, no. Right? Did it change my personality? No. Did it... I am the same exact person I was always. There was no defects that happened to me. Like, like I was just so nervous about all this. Is like, look, like if I do this, like, am I gonna be the same person? Like, in that, like, mm -hmm. then I get that blood rush, right? And it's like, nah, man. It's it is what it is. It, you know. And I, I love that, and I think it's so important not to like you were saying. You are not your anxiety or your depression. You're so much bigger than that. It's something that you're just going through with that actually makes you so much stronger. Um, and look, like. I'm not saying Zoloft is the cure for everything. I'm saying, like, for, sometimes it takes multiple trial periods with different types of medication to find out what works for you. And guess what? Sometimes that also may not be medication. That might be a combination of group therapy and, you know, mindfulness and meditation. But if you find yourself in a point that's really low and it's really affecting your day to day life, there's nothing wrong with addressing it head-on and kind of using everything in your arsenal yeah the way i mean the way i look at it, it's it's the quicker you address something and take care of it the better it's gonna be right if you have a car and you know there's something wrong with the transmission but ah i'll take care of it ah i'll take care of it that's gonna be three thousand dollars instead of maybe three hundred dollars so the mm -hmm. way what i shame myself on is i let it get to a point where i was suffocating in it so bad i needed a huge pick-me-up but i know if i would have known what i know now about it yeah. Back when I first started this, I wouldn't even been where I was at and let it get as deep as it became. You know what I mean? And the last thing, you know, I know, I know we're getting short on time, but the last thing I want to say is just yeah. the big thing I did too that helped me a lot. And I think this was like the more of the turning point is, and, and I get shit for this all the time, is I did self-affirmations. So I'd go on YouTube and, you know, every morning for 20 minutes, I would do self-affirmations of myself. And I, it was every morning. And that helped me tremendously. Like, and I almost made a joke of it because I'd be with my brother and he'd be like, 
I am powerful. And we'd just be like, I'm power. Like, it was just like stupid, silly stuff. But you're, you're constantly telling and you're making a habit of your mind to, to go do it, right? So at the end of the day, the mind itself, it's like if you play the cross and you practice every day to work on your shot, your shots can become better. If you work on your mind every single day and do the right things and feed the mind with the right food, it's gonna respond well. Totally, so. That's, it's, it's a holistic journey and it's not just one thing like, hey, I'm gonna take this pill and then feel better. It's really looking at every aspect in your life because they all work together. <clears throat> so I think that's really dope and I think like, yeah, for anyone listening, hit me up if you have any questions. I was so scared about the side effects like, would I have anything, like, and that really prevented me from doing anything for a while. You know, I'll just, I had to suggest that, like, the thing, the clothing and marker I know is, like, first of all, I gotta thank you, because, you know, you, like, that, I tell everyone, like, this girl, I wouldn't, now, I say save my life, but I wasn't dying, but I meant save my life as in the mentality and the quality, I, alright, this is the best way, you save the quality of my life, right, so, just, because I was just going down such a deep hole and was so nervous to talk to friends and family about it. You know, I talked mm-hmm. to you before I talked to my own parents, you know, just because I just, I wanted someone across the country I know would never see my entire life to like, hey, I need this help, you know? Dude, I'm going to so be at nice. your major league game in a box seat. Never forget, you're getting me tickets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no doubt. But I would just, if you know, hopefully this, this podcast has a good turnout or anything. I just suggest the people that need the help is to reach out and don't be afraid because yeah. if you ask someone that truly went through it, I think they'll truly get excited to help you because they wish they had that person when they were going through it. Because I think at the beginning, I never had that person until it was too late. And if I had you from day one, you know, we're not having this talk. I love that. And you know what? Like your journey, you're 23 years old. Who knows? Maybe you'll get another blip of this in the future. But I will say, if it comes up again, you know what it is. And you know kind of like how to address it. Thank you so much for having me. This This was a good time. But of course, folks, this has been episode two of Sad Jocks, Anxiety in the Outfield. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me or hit up sadjocks33 at gmail.com. Next week, I'll be sitting down with WNBA standout Imani Boyette, who's been talking about mental health for quite some time now. So I'm excited to get into her story. But for now, I'm most definitely going to bed. Might even nibble on a Xanax. But don't tell anyone I told you. My doctor prescribed it. Good night.